Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Oh, gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Our journey began in a garden. God created the world and called it good. God created plants, trees, on the third day, call them good. On the sixth day, God created humanity and God said, oh yeah, that's good. Now, invariably, when I talk about the book of Genesis and these creation narratives, someone will say to me, well, pastor, do you believe in in these literal days of creation or something else? Or is it something more like seven epochs of creation? Well, I tend to lean toward the epoch narrative, but maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point of the book of Genesis and the telling of these creation stories is to help us understand how all of this came to be. The Bible's creation narratives are not in dialogue with modern science. The Bible's creation narratives, however, are in dialogue with the other civilizations of the time in what we call the ancient Near East. Egypt, Babylon, Canaan. And these conversations were about cosmology. How did all of this come to be, both tangibly and spiritually? That's what this conversation is about. And spiritually, what does it mean for us to relate to God and relate to one another? What do these narratives tell us about God, our relationship to God, our relationship to one another, and indeed our relationship to the world. As an aside, if you are interested in a conversation around the days of creation from a scientific perspective, I'd offer a reading recommendation. Carl Giberson's Seven Glorious Days, A Scientist Retells the Genesis Creation Story. I highly recommend it. In Genesis, chapter 1, Scripture says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within. These will be your food to all wildlife, to 
the birds in the sky and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grass for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made and it was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Genesis chapter 1 verses 28 through 31. So God gives us this command, this call to be generative. And then what God says in verse 28 there is to, to take charge of the earth, to, to fill it and to master it. Some translations say to subdue it. Let's think a moment about what God is asking of us here. I think this is actually about imitation. So sometimes my children, especially when they were younger, would pretend to do church. So they'd gather and they might create a, a pulpit or they might create a, a communion table and, and to go through all the motions and to, to say similar words. They would play at my work. Often, they would also play another part of my work. They would actually play meeting. That was really humorous. Meandering meetings with no real set agenda where each child just basically talked about what they wanted to talk about. Hopefully, our meetings at University UMC are a little bit more focused and productive than that. But this is the natural activity of children. Uh, mimicking those adults that they see, that they care about, that they know care about them, playing at that work, imitating their adults, imitating their parent or parents. In the same way, we as children of God are called to be imitators of God. We're called to reflect God's character in the world. And this is what God is calling us to do here. Oftentimes when we think about this task of mastering the earth or, or taking charge of it or subduing it, we think about some kind of suppression or maybe even a kind of oppression. But that's not what this language is meant to convey. It's meant to convey what God did in the work of creation. There was chaos, Scripture says. And what did God do? But God ordered it. God demonstrated that God is a master of it. God took charge of it. And because of that, new life was able to emerge. And so what God is calling us to do here in Genesis 1 is to take charge in such a way that the work that we do gives life. The work that we do promotes life. This is a vocation. Now, often when we talk about vocation, we talk about the choices that we make. I choose to be a medical professional. That's my vocation. I choose to be a teacher. That's my chosen vocation. 
I choose to be an engineer. That's my chosen vocation. I choose to be a construction worker. That's my chosen vocation. I choose to be a musician. That's my chosen vocation. But at the core of the word vocation in its original sense, original connotation, there was this sense that a vocation was something not that you chose yourself, but something that you were called into. Something that you were called into by someone or something else. And certainly from a religious sense, a vocation is what God calls us into. And so here in Genesis chapter 1, we see a sense of vocation. God calling God's created people into this work of caring for the earth, working it so that it produces life. The work of ecological care has long been the work of the church. Sometimes people will say, well, it's a fad, it's a progressive fad, and they use deprecatory statements like saying, oh, this is for tree huggers or for those granola people who like to shop at Whole Foods, who are electively gluten-free, who like to do yoga multiple times of the week, and if given the choice, will choose to drive a Prius or a Subaru. I do not subscribe to such statements and, well, they describe a whole lot of my friends. No, this has long been the work of the church. This is not a fad. This is a vocation for us. As we think about the passage that was read so wonderfully by Grace Davis earlier, this passage from Romans chapter 8. It talks about how creation interacts with us in this way. Creation groans. In chapter 8 verse 22 it says, we know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains until now. Creation is groaning under the weight of, of sin. The weight of what we have done here in creation. And, and many feel that this is is clear there's there's evidence of the burden that we have placed on creation in our environment through things like global warming others of course do push back against that but it's it's hard to deny however the the islands of plastic floating in the sea it's hard to deny the the tainted water supplies because of chemical waste it's hard to anticipate what will be the long-term effects of microplastics in our systems and the effects of other chemicals and toxins in our systems that we consume, that we created. But if you're watching and listening, I believe you can hear that creation groans. In this time of social distancing, we know that it's had several effects. I've noted some of them. I, I seem to, to see that squirrels are having more fun and, and there are more rabbits in the yard and birds seem to be flying about and playing more freely. But scientists are also able to observe other things. 
there's been less seismic activity because there's been less rumble of machinery. Visibly from the satellites, there is a decreased level of pollution. And there is less of what we call sound pollution in the environment. It's been a sad time, a, a challenging time for us. But around us, we also see signs of, of new life in the midst of this time of social distancing because of COVID-19. There is, there is suffering, but there is also new life. Creation groans, but creation also waits. Chapter 8, verse 18. Again, I believe the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. God's coming glory is what this is talking about. It's also talking about the coming glory of the children of God when we are fully redeemed in this time when the kingdom has fully come where resurrection life is all that we know. So we wait for it with eager anticipation. Creation is waiting for us to, to step up and step forward because of what God has done in our lives. It waits. But it's not just that we have to wait. We can also see signs of this newness of life here and now as we, as we read through Scripture. It tells us about this. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have passed away. And look, new things have arrived. The change can happen today. Change in your life can happen today. Change in the world around us can happen today. We can see the glory of God today and the glory of God revealed in the people of God and in the rest of God's creation today. If we will take steps in our own lives of faith and if we would take steps as we move into the world to be faithful to the vocation that God has given us. My challenge to you this week is twofold. First, to make intentional steps to embrace our common vocation. This call to care for God's creation. It may not be your only vocation. It may not be the only vocation to which you have been called, but it is a vocation that we have been collectively called to. And we can all take certain steps to care for the part of God's good creation that is right around us. And my second encouragement is to, to step out. Step out into 
this wonderful creation and, and give God thanks for it. Give God thanks for the gift of God's creation. It's been a blessing to be here at our Giving Garden and to be able to share a message with you from this location. I pray that it, this environment has blessed you. And I hope that you will know that in so many ways you have been called by God. Each and every one of you have been called by God to reveal God's goodness in the world. And I hope that part of that is revealing God's goodness to this world that God has given us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of creation. We thank you for the gift of your presence with us that you walk with us just as you walked with those who were in the garden, helping us to be the people that you have called us to be. I pray for each and every person that is, that is with us in worship here today. I pray for the needs that people have that I might not even be aware of, but that you are always aware of. Pray for everyone who is hurting, that you would wrap your loving arms around them. I pray that you would celebrate with all those who are celebrating. And I pray that you would help us to hear your voice and to hear your call in the midst of every day and all of our journey with you in this world. In Christ's holy name, amen. Friends, I hope that you know that we love you. We hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.